James did an excellent job this morning in presenting the proofs of the resurrection. He even used selfies on Facebook, so. <laughs> and it's hard for us sometimes to imagine when you live in a Christian environment that there's people that don't really believe in the resurrection, yet it's such a foundation part of our lives. This morning we're going to be in Matthew 11, and then we'll move over to uh, some later verses in Matthew. But uh, I want us to look this morning at the relationship between Jesus, the Son, and God the Father. And we start that off in Matthew 11, where Jesus is honoring John the Baptist. In verse 11 of chapter 11, Assuredly I say to you, among those born of women, there was not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What a revealing statement by our Lord. Those born of women, that about includes everybody, uh, not one greater than John. All the prophets before John testified or prophesied of future events. John came, as Jesus said, in the spirit of Elijah. Elijah now was the premier prophet to any one of the Jewish faith. It was Elijah and the rest. And now Jesus says, you know, John came in the spirit of Elijah. John was responsible for being the forerunner of Christ. He had basically one uh, ministry to perform, and that was to be the herald, the announcer of Messiah. What an awesome responsibility. And we find that Jesus has been doing many works throughout Bethsaida and Chorazin, been doing miracles, healing many people, and so forth. And Jesus, and the cities like Capernaum, the cities of Israel, they've witnessed these many mighty works of God, but they have not responded as they should have responded at their time of visitation when Jesus was there with them. So let's read more about Jesus' response to these cities, and that's in uh, verse 25 of chapter 11 through 30. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor or are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus answers aloud of what's going on between him and the Father. And occasionally we get these glimpses of the relationship of God the Father and Son in Scripture. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. That's an all-inclusive statement. Because God the Father, according to Jesus, has hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. But he's revealed them to babes. And the immediate question is, what things? The mighty works done by Jesus in the cities of Israel. And how it should have brought Israel to a recognition of who Jesus was, and it should have brought them to repentance before God. Tyre and Sidon, it says, would have repented long ago. And Tyre and Sidon were cities along the northern coast of Israel, cities of uh, foreign and pagan gods and so forth. And it says Sodom of Sodom and Gomorrah will not be judged as severely as these cities of Israel where Jesus did these mighty works. With knowledge comes responsibility. And when God reveals himself to man, it's our responsibility to respond to that revelation. But notice Jesus' comparison here. Jesus' works hidden from the wise and the prudent. But it says God the Father revealed them to babes or to young, innocent believers. In verse 26 tells us, And this was good in the eyes of the Father. The heart of God goes out to the meek and the lowly, but God resists the proud and the haughty. True humility, it is so becoming in fellow believers, and we notice it instantly. We are told that we are to humble ourselves before God, and that's a beautiful thing, that's a beautiful trait that God notices in our life is humility. And then we read that God gives revelation to the humble and the lowly. It's not to the prudent or the wise, but to the humble and the lowly. Jesus will continue to speak here, and he begins to give us insight, a look into his relationship with God the Father. And that's in verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. The Father, the Father of the Godhead, and the Father of all believers. God the Father, he is in control of all events surrounding Jesus and those who trust in Jesus. 
Jesus said at one time, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it or hear him telling me to do it. I don't, you know, my life is totally in submission to God the Father. And all the events in the, in the history of man from creation to salvation are secured by Jesus' death on the cross and what we celebrate today, resurrection. And we don't always consider resurrection. We don't always take Jesus' words literally. Jesus also told us, he said, I go to prepare a place for you uh, to be with you so you can be with me. He's talking about heaven. And Jesus continues in verse 27, No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Special relationship there. And if the verse were to end there, we'd say, Hmm, that's kind of void. That's kind of empty. You know, it leaves me wanting. But we're allowed to hear the no and to know the depth of God's love and that we are drawn to Jesus. How? By the will of the Father. God wants us to have a relationship with his Son. Jesus is our example. He draws us to the Father. And we could not appreciate the goodness of God if it weren't for evil. Evil points to the goodness of God. Satan is exposed. His disciples and his demons are exposed. And that points us to a loving, good God, if you allow it to. Maybe you've noticed this along with me. We live in an evil world. And this evil causes us to run to the shelter of a loving God. But Jesus, in the next verse, he gives us hope. And he says, hope is the assurance of good things coming from God. That is what hope is, the assurance of good things that are coming from God. Verse 28, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Only Jesus can give us true rest, true rest for our souls, true rest for our minds, and true rest for our bodies. Not just when we're tired and we need a pick-me-up or something. When we grow tired of the daily grind. Does this life sometimes grind on you? <laughs> And we find ourselves struggling just to go from one day to the next. We struggle, you know, at, at our job sometimes, earning a living, raising our children in a, in a righteous way. But Jesus promises not just physical rest and the daily struggles, and we go through them. Each of us go through 
difficult, struggling times. Uh, Lori has been suffering from a sinus infection, and it seems like for months just won't clear up the sinus infection. So she struggles, just breathing. Myself, I take inventory before I get out of bed every morning, see what's there and see what's working. You're not as old as I am. You will get there. But we have hope. We have hope in our Lord Jesus. In verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, a word about yokes. Yokes are made for two or more. It's a horse collar when it's for one. But a yoke is for two or more. I have a large wooden oxen yoke at my house. And it's interesting just to look at that implement. But Jesus tells us, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. When they would yoke up a team of oxen or horses or mules or whatever, they would put a new young ox or horse or mule with an old learned one. And the old learned one would teach the one yoked to him how to work. And Jesus tells us, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then he says, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is telling us when he wants us to take on the yoke, he says, I am right here beside you. I know what you are going through. I'm sharing your burdens, your heavy burdens. Just allow me to do that. <clears throat> do you ever worry about things? Well, I don't worry. I just uh, get overly concerned because worry is a sin. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't want to sin. <laughs> but recently... I have been sort of obsessing about retirement. Do Lori and I have sufficient funds set aside? Is our nest egg big enough to live off of, et cetera, et cetera? But the Lord has reminded me right in the middle of this concern of mine that he has never failed me once. He's always been my good provider. He is trustworthy, so why do I fret? Human nature, yes. And to be overly concerned or to be worried about these kind of things actually shows a lack of faith. But I stand before you with a testimony, God is faithful. Lori and I are blessed, so we try our best not to fret or worry. The promise here by Jesus is, if we are yoked to him, we will find rest. You'll find rest for your souls. And that's, that's a good word to apply to our life. For the yoke of Jesus is easy, his burden is light. And I can honestly say before you, being yoked to Jesus is fulfilling. You think you give up freedom, but you don't. 
you gain purpose. Being united with Jesus is nothing but good. All right. That was all done, that sermon one there, to give you an idea of the closeness between God the Father and God the Son and how much God the Father loves us. So now let's fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane. You knew I'd get around to Easter here, and here we go. And these passages, uh, we have seen that Jesus and the Father are one, and knowing each other completely. And now I wanted you to see the anguish that Jesus goes through in the garden, the suffering that God the Father endures as Jesus cries out to him, deliver me. Don't you know that had to be hard for the Father? As much as we can see how our heart goes out to different ones we love. Think of how God's heart went out to his son. So let's read Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is... Probably the down moment of Jesus' life. He's come. He knew why he came into this world, but here it is. It's upon him. The cross awaits. And uh, we're told that Jesus despised the cross. It wasn't something that he wanted to do. It was necessary for him to do. And he's exceedingly, exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. One of the passages that Jesus sweat drops as of blood in Gethsemane as he travails in prayer. 
Jesus tells Peter and the others, stay here and watch with me. Be my companions. Be my support. Be my help. And he goes a little ways away from them, and he fell on his face, and he prayed. Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. What a prayer. God hears him. He's saying, Father, find another way to bring salvation, to redeem mankind. That's what Jesus is saying. But nevertheless, your will be done. Second prayer, oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Total submission by the Son. Third prayer, same words. Oh, my Father. If this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. There's a lot of parents here this morning. And which of us as a good parent would not suffer for our children in a heartbeat? We would gladly suffer if our children could be spared. I have prayed for my children when they were little and when they were sick. And I would ask God, take their sickness and if need be, put it on me. Just let them be okay. Just revive. Just touch my child, Lord. God the Father, much more love than we can even imagine. And here Jesus comes, knowing what's laying ahead, suffering the shame of the cross, and he's asking his father three times, take this shame and suffering away. Take it away. So why did God the Father insist on Jesus' suffering? The cross, the shame, the humiliation... Simple. There was no other way to secure our salvation. That was the only way. The sacrificing of animals is no longer acceptable to God the Father. It is no longer sufficient in, in the eyes of God. But the simple reason that God the Father will allow Jesus to suffer the cross is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There it is. God the Father also suffering. God the Father's love for us Forced him to cause Jesus to suffer death on the cross. Let me repeat that. God the Father's love for us forced him to cause Jesus to suffer death and the cross. What a demonstration of God's love to you and I, to each believer. 
then we have the greatest news ever. God did not leave his son Jesus in the grave. He rose him from the dead the third day, thus securing salvation for all who believe. What an act of love by the Father and, of course, by Jesus. Amen. He is risen. Let me get you to stand with closing prayer. May that truth resonate with us. May it be part of our DNA, the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Father God, we offer up our thanks to you for allowing your son, causing your son to suffer for us. That's hard for us to grasp. It's hard for us to get our minds around that, Lord. But your love, and we know you deeply love the Son, yet you caused him to suffer for us. But you didn't leave him in the grave, Father. You rose him from the dead, and for that we live, we have life, and we thank you for that. So, Lord, as as believers, as those that have been redeemed by the sacrifice of Jesus, by his blood on the cross, we rejoice and let the good news, the gospel, go out from us every opportunity we have, Lord. We pray that you would bring us in contact with those that need to hear the salvation message. Lord, we're going to look for opportunities to share the risen Jesus. So we pray that not only this coming week, but this coming months and years and whatever, that we will be quick to testify of our risen Lord. And we pray for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.